Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask that amazingly complex question, what's your jam in the jam stack? This week, we've got another That's My Jam Stack remix going all the way back to season one, episode two, we're catching up with the amazingly prolific Jamstack author, Raymond Camden. Raymond is a senior DevRel at Adobe, a Star Wars nerd, and a web and serverless hacker. Hey, Raymond, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So for longtime listeners of the show, I mean, like the longest time listeners of the show, uh, they might recognize that Raymond has been on before, but it was legitimately two years ago, more than two years ago, and it was the second episode. And I think uh, we're both older and wiser since then. Uh, and there might be folks that haven't listened uh, to the entire archive of That's My Jam Sack. So why don't you give everyone a refresher on who you are, what you do for work, and what you do for fun? Absolutely. So yeah, first off, I'm definitely older. I'm not quite sure about wiser. Uh, <laughs> give me 30 or 40 more years from that. Uh, so hi, uh, everyone. I am Raymond Camden. Um, I'm actually not sure what company I was at two years ago, probably two or three different ones. You uh, weren't allowed to say is, is actually what you had. You had people go uh, to your LinkedIn. But, oh my yeah. God. yeah, that was American Long time. Express. They were real <laughs> antsy about, you can't say where you work. Um, yeah, it was American Express and I'm not there anymore. So yes, <laughs> uh, I am currently at Adobe. I am a developer evangelist. Uh, I am working on the document services team. So we have APIs that work with PDFs. So like a concrete example of that is you let people upload PDFs and you want a consistent way to render it in the browser. And we have a free tool for that. Uh, you want to do some stuff on the server side. So you want to like OCR to PDF or maybe cut it in half or add something in front, you know, slice and dice PDFs basically. So we have a set of APIs that work with, PD with, that work with PDFs and we have a PDF viewer for the web as well. And that's uh, the team that I'm on. That's what I do for work. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun as well. Uh, but for fun, uh, I am a big video game player. So is my wife. So that works out real well. Yep. And even better, uh, she's a big PC gamer. So she'll game on her laptop while I take away the TV from my console. So again, like uh, oh, that works. Best of both worlds. Yes. What what uh what games are are you playing right now? Uh, when I'm not playing with my friends, uh, every Friday night we call it bowling league. We we hang out uh, and play Call of Duty. Uh, we just switched to Vanguard. Uh, but outside of that, when I'm like playing solo, uh, I currently am playing Far Cry Six, which is pretty cool. Um, I pretty much like only do multiplayer stuff on Friday nights because when you have kids. Uh, it's hard to do anything multiplayer because there's no pause at all. That pause button is so important with kids. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so cool. So you're you're doing some cool PDF stuff with uh, with Adobe, uh, but you're also probably one of the more prolific writers in at, at least in the Jamstack space. But like you do quite a bit of writing too, right? Mm -hmm. I do too much writing. Uh, <laughs> I've been blogging since 2003 or so. Um, and, uh, I try to blog about once a week. Um, I did a lot more in the early days, but I also started before Twitter. 
you know, mm-hmm. and so Twitter, as as bad as it is, you know, Twitter's great for short things like, hey, you wrote a cool article. Here's a link. In the old days, you know, there wasn't that. So on my blog, I would just quickly share stuff like that. So I, I, I look at my stats. There was one year where I did about, I think, 800 blog posts, Ooh. which is stupid. Um, <laughs> the last couple of years, it's a bit more reasonable. So I'm approaching 70 for this year. So I definitely hit my one per week average. Yeah. Nice. That's, uh, I used to go for one a month and I'm not even there. So that is super impressive to me at least. Um, so we, we talked a little bit last episode, but I want to give a, a recap. What was your, your entry point into static sites and the Jamstack? Sure. Um, so I've been around for a very long time, <laughs> too long. I started web development in 93 or 94 or so, uh, you know, back when there wasn't any defined roles, like you did everything. Uh, and I quickly found out that while I could do HTML, no problem, uh, making things pretty was not my forte. Uh, so I got really involved in Perl CGI scripts and just the dynamic web, which back then, even though we had JavaScript, uh, it quickly became really crappy, um, Mm -hmm. on the front end. So, you know, the back end really became the place to do anything dynamic. Uh, it's been a very long time in the cold fusion community, uh, which is, and more was, you know, a, a great product, uh, you know, it wasn't open source and a lot of people looked down on it, uh, but it was very practical. Uh, it made hard things easy back uh, when there wasn't a lot of solutions out there that would do that. But yeah, I, you know, 10, 15 years did everything in ColdFusion and a database and a web server. And that, that was my jam for a long time. And then kind of two things happened at once. Um, the front end began to get less crappy. Uh, like shockingly less crappy. Um, and, you know, I always knew JavaScript, but, you know, there wasn't much that you could do with it. And all of a sudden you could start doing really good things in it. So like that happened. And I began to realize that uh, I was using a lot of power for websites that probably didn't need it. And I ran across a tool called HarpJS, uh, which is Still around, but I don't think it's been updated for a while. But uh, it was my first introduction to the idea of a static site generator, and I, you know, started to play with it, and it just clicked. It was like, oh, okay, it could be dynamic locally, but like when I'm done, it's just files, and like nothing can can crash, nothing could go wrong, nothing could be hacked. Um, so like I took a couple of my old Cold Fusion websites uh, where. You know, they were database driven and I recognized, you know, I haven't edited the database in like months um, and I began to, to convert them to static. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, and this began to do more and more with it. And it really kind of clicked for me. So out of curiosity, and I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but um, you're primarily a, a back end person from back in the day. And. Um, I found not always, but often backend people like servers. They, they enjoy working on the server. Not me personally, not a backend person, but, um, it's interesting that you made this transition to something that is not at all. Like you can host it on any server anywhere. It's just HTML. It's just whatever. But, um, I guess, was it the simplification of the workflow that, that drew you to it or was it something different? as a backend guy coming in? Definitely the simplification. I mean, while I can appreciate the power of something like Cold Fusion or, or, or PHP even, 
uh, not having to worry about it breaking live was was huge. Um, and doing more in JavaScript, um, you know, that doesn't need a server. You do have to worry about browsers, but, you know, in general, browsers have a good level of support for nearly everything that I want to do. Um, you know, ignoring a certain mobile browser from a <laughs> company in California, but even that does the basic stuff okay. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we won't talk about that. It's fine. Um, so cool. So uh, a lot has changed in two years. It's amazing how much this ecosystem changes on a regular basis. Um, how are you today using the Jamstack both professionally and personally? And maybe like a slight comparison to maybe how you were using it two years ago. Well, for one, it's definitely nice to see the the ecosystem um, and not just in APIs, but in companies like Netlify and their competitors uh, providing more and more value out of, just, just out of the box. Uh, when I first started, I used S3, uh, which was convenient. Um, you just FTP the files up and you're good to go. Uh, but then we saw tools like Surge, for example, which is mm-hmm. something else I don't see a lot of people using, but I know it's still there. And just command line and live um, was just really, really great. Like, when I started uh, getting a website up involved, calling an ISP and waiting a couple of days, and then, you know, maybe you got your website yep. or they, you, know, you had access to and you had to copy stuff up. So um, seeing that ecosystem evolve, seeing that the, the different features, seeing the different companies now competing to offer the, more, the most value just makes things great for, for me. Um, I love the fact that I feel like I have good solutions for for like real sites. So like as an evangelist, I don't do a lot of real work. I, I make a lot of dumb demos. Uh, so I like mentally in my brain, I have a path that I use for like my blog, which is like a real site. And then I have like a path for here's a dumb toy. I went online and I don't care if it's online 10 years from now. Nice. And uh, it's interesting to me, you mentioned Surge and Surge was er- early on for me as well, like a, a way of getting things live. And I really appreciate it. And that was in the days before like, honestly, before Netlify came around. Um, and I remember the, the first couple of times I used Netlify and figured out, like, I don't need, I was using CodeShip with Surge, right? I was, I, you needed a CICD to, like, have those deploys work well. And it's interesting to me how, I think it was Phil Hawksworth that said on Twitter, like, the table stakes have changed, right? Like, what a company that is planning on doing Jamstack or Jamstack adjacent stuff has is very different than it was in 2015, 2016. And like we expect CICD, we expect like these these server side things that we don't want to have to write. And if, if you look like the ecosystem is, has done that too, like Vercel uh, as a competitor to Netlify has many of those things. Uh, AWS has Amplify now doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, Azure has static web apps, I think. So like all these like, it's interesting to see huge companies, Amazon, Microsoft, like chasing the tail of, of the little upstart that like said, a front end developer needs these things. Like, let's just give it to them. I agree. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Seal of approval. Back in the day, I, th- I think at some point we, we, we talked about, you said, I talked about Harp. Uh, I think in the last episode, we might've talked about Jekyll a little bit. Um, and I've seen a few of your presentations from way back in the day. I had a chance to see you a couple of times at a couple of conferences talking about different form handlers and stuff like that. But in the, the 2021, 2022 era of the Jamstack, what's your current 
jam in the Jamstack? What sorts of technologies are you using? How are you putting them together and all that? Um, I quickly moved on from Harp to other engines. Harp was good and simple, and I'm really happy it was the first thing I saw because within five minutes I had stuff going. Um, but I, I've gone to a couple of different generators over time, and they all have different philosophies. And I have found that my philosophy is that I like a lot of freedom. Um, I like the freedom to write bad code, for example, if I want to, or I need something very unique. I need extremely configured stuff to do whatever I want. Some generators just don't allow that. Um, I, I don't want to attack any generator, so I'll, I'll be vague, but uh, I was using one from my blog for a while. And my blog is a huge site, so build times were kind of important. And one of the things I found out is that, you know, in my blog UI, I had like the last five blog posts in my nav. And every time I'd write a new blog post, all 6,000 plus URLs had to be updated, uh, not URLs, files had to be updated because I was changing part of the UI for every blog post. So uh, my, my quick fix was I'll just make that Ajax, you know, that can load mm -hmm. later. It's not crucially important. It's just a way to drive, you know, more traffic once you're on my site. And the generator I was using at a time uh, made it incredibly hard to output JSON. Like it was fine tuned for blog posts and HTML. And I wanted to output JSON and I like spent a day and it was very frustrating. And in, in that particular engine's defense, I know it's gotten better at that, but it was enough to, to kind of get me off that. So in, in general, I look for things that are very flexible. Uh, I used Jekyll for a long time. Uh, I like Liquid. It, it again, was, was very flexible. Uh, but the Ruby dependency was a bit of an issue. Um, I always liked using Jekyll. I hated installing <laughs> Jekyll. Uh, it's gotten better, uh, which is nice. Uh, but uh, when I ran across Eleventy and saw that it was node-based, uh, and that it certainly wasn't the first one, uh, but it was the first one that kind of clicked for me, and it had that flexibility in there to an extreme. Uh, so, for example, supporting Markdown, Liquid, uh, Jade, uh, Handlebars, everything. Um, I felt like I could do anything I wanted to there, even if it was a foot gun. Like, it just it let me do what I wanted. And, like, since I have started using Eleveny, uh, every kind of crazy, wild idea I have just plain works. Because, you know, Eleveny is very, like, you know, I give you tools, you do whatever. Um, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I did this really dumb idea of I want a file and I want it to output to PDF. Eleven mm -hmm. gave me the hooks to allow me to, you know, use front matter to say this is a PDF. It gave me the hook to recognize that and change the output stream. I used uh, our PDF services to do that. And you know, again, maybe it's not a very practical idea, but I loved that Eleven D allowed me to do that. Well, I mean, so I remember back in my agency life, um, it didn't happen often, but it happened enough that clients wanted to be able to generate PDFs. And, you know, we were a PHP shop and we had a custom content management system. And so like our CTO and our, our developers would work on like these big, like monolithic PDF generators and like they would use services and like there's like Doc Raptor and stuff like that. Um, and, but it was, it was always dependent on that. And like the idea that, 
you could theoretically hook into any custom content management system using like 11D data, um, uh, JS data files, and you could hook into any service um, like, like Adobe's PDF service. And then all you're really doing is changing the data and then using 11D to create a template and that template could go somewhere. And that template could be written, I, I don't know, like in probably like in an HTML or HTML-like you know, system. It means that anyone can generate this sort of thing as long as they know a few basics. We're talking about like making the transition from Jekyll into like 11D, um, I, that was my personal transition as well. And, I, and I've heard a few different people kind of, uh, kind of talk about that. Um, was it... 11D's Jekyll likeness that brought you to it, and it was just like, oh, it's it, but it's in Node, and it allows these other things. Or uh, was it actually the extensibility of it, and actually the configuration of it? Like, what what caused like that perked you up to 11D? I suppose all of that. Um, I know specifically, I was looking at Node-based static site generators, and like I, I recognized that much as I liked Jekyll, I, I wasn't happy with Ruby. So I looked at a couple of them, I think like Ghost, for example, um, and it just wasn't clicking with me. Uh, so 11 was, was easy to start with. Um, I think a couple things, the way it did pagination was mind-numbingly awesome. Uh, yeah. And again, I, I think all the generators out there support pagination, but I don't think any has done it quite as easily. Um, as how Leveny did it. So that was a huge, big thing. Um, and the data files, I think, uh, was also really cool, especially being able to do API-type calls in there and just make it available. Um, uh, I think those two features in particular uh, like pushed me over the edge. Like Everything I'm going to do, at least for the time being, <laughs> um, yeah. is going to be with this particular tool. I, mean, I remember thinking about data in the in the Jekyll world and I would end up I need to write JSON. I need to write a script that's in my build process that spits out JSON that Jekyll can consume. There might be better ways of doing that, but I am not a Ruby dev. So like where, where's my where's my JavaScript? It's in my build step. Um, so yeah, that was that was a big selling point for me as well. I do want to talk a little bit because you've been you've done a little bit of a blog series. Um, 11.1.0 is in official beta. Uh, a lot of cool features coming out. I'm curious your take on it and like the the pieces that have you excited in that world. There's a lot. Uh, so one thing is the template engine upgrade, uh, and that really hit me coming from Liquid. So what what you may not know if you're new to 11 or got or not used it, uh, it supports all these template languages, but it supports them at, at a certain version. When I came to it from Liquid, uh, from from Jekyll. Not only did Jekyll have, I believe, a newer version of Liquid, it had its own added things to Liquid. I didn't quite grok that, so I would do things in Eleveny that wouldn't work. Also, when you add the fact that Liquid has this really, really, really bad default of if you try to do something I don't support, I do nothing. I just return an empty string which you can configure to throw an error instead, uh, but I'll never understand that logic. So I, I, I tripped up on that a lot. Uh, and so one of the things on 11.1.0 is just kind of catching up the, the template engine, so the most recent version. So I really appreciate that. That's it's not a, not a, uh, not a ooh, whiz bang type feature, but it's a daily life thing that I think is really, really great. There's a lot of small quality of life things, like even dynamic ignores, 
Um, having a large website, uh, I had an ignore file that would suppress like 90% of my content just so that my, my reloads were quicker. Um, you know, it's file-based. I could check that into GitHub because then that, that would get pushed to production. Yep. Eleven just adds a way to to kind of make that a bit easier. Um, another thing that they just uh, just uh, released is the ability to have a, uh, a file in one language like Liquid and literally embed a different language in there. So one of the things I did early on uh, with Eleven is because it supported all these different languages, I like the Liquid, uh, but it's also a bit prescriptive in terms of how it works. Uh, EJS is a, is a is not a pretty language at all. It reminds me a lot of classic ASP, but it's incredibly flexible. So I, one of the things I did on my blog is uh, I have a stats page, which pretty much only I use, uh, but it's a lot of number crunching and stuff like that. I could have built a lot of 11D filters and stuff like that. No, I, I, I just switched to EJS for that page. And I have a very ugly page because EJS is not pretty, but it got the job done. So the fact that in 11.1.0, I could use liquid for like my main stats and perhaps just have a block, have it be the ugly block where I use EGS to do all that, you know, crazy number crunching. Um, I like that as lot as well. My, uh, my excitement on that is probably worse than that but like i'm a i'm a nunchucks person again like we get to have these kind of like decisions made uh on, on a file by file basis why i like nunchucks is very similar to liquid a couple extra powers maybe a little slower but the default installation of nunchucks in 11d and again that's changing i actually need to look into the uh the new versions but uh have fewer filters than liquid liquid does built in so if i want to handle dates the liquid installation handles it with a filter I have to write my own filter in in Nunjux. Not a big deal, but now I could literally have my Nunjux file and then have one liquid tag that renders a date when I need it rendered and not ever have to worry about it again, not ever have to write that filter. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's exciting for me. It's just the fact that it opens up these interesting worlds where you can have whatever, or also like uh, as a plugin creator, Nunjux handles uh, filters and some of the other stuff better. You can do a little bit more like object notation inside of it. Liquid, it's space delimited. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, that's really ugly to me. But like I could then let my plugin be used as Nunjux and not have to worry about it for anyone. Like they can just bring it in, use Liquid for everything else and or use handlebars or use whatever. Or use handlebars until you need a loop and then you can bring a loop in via these other ones. But. Can I just say like how freeing it is? And this is not an 11 thing or an 11 1.0 thing, but it is so freeing know that I could write code that's going to be run one time only, period. And, you know, I still try to write proper code, clean code, documented code, but I, it's so freeing. Like I don't have to worry about performance. Like it's going to build one time and then it's done. Like, and if it's a little slow, that's okay. And, that, that relieves a lot of pressure <laughs> from me when I'm building things. It's, it's very freeing, too. When, 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 when the performance concerns are performance for your build step, you can be a little bit more lax about it. You don't have to worry about it as much. You can, you can render. You don't want to render thousands of pages, right? Like, obviously, that's not great for, for quick iterations, but you can. And that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, awesome. So let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit uh, and talk about your 
musical jams? What 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 are you listening to nowadays? Uh, I think last time you mentioned a, a band called Hatchy. I think um, are they still in your uh, in your listening queue, or have you moved on to to different pastures? I, yeah, um, not day to day. I have pretty varied uh, things I'll listen to. Uh, but the one that, that, that comes to mind and just so happens to be what I'm playing this morning, uh, there's a band called Pink Martini and they're very eclectic. Think like 1930s jazz and Paris or beatnik kind of sixties, great background, great party music. Uh, it sounds very highfalutin when I say like 1930s, <laughs> you can imagine with the, the long cigarette type Mm-hmm. That type of vibe, but listening to it is really kind of cool and relaxing. And uh, one of my favorite features of Spotify is you can like pick a core band or a core song and Spotify just kind of riffs from there. So I've been doing Pink Martini Radio on Spotify a lot. It's a really great. I'm going to have to check that out because I've, I've recently, uh, due to some TikTok videos, gotten back into like the 90s aughts, like jazz scene that was happening. And I could... I could use to to mix that up a little bit, but stay in similar genres. Awesome. So is there anything that you're doing that you would like to promote out to the Jamstack community? Absolutely. Um, uh, myself and Brian Rinaldi, we are writing a book. Uh, we called it the Jamstack book because we're that egotistical. <laughs> this is the one book you'll ever need. Uh, we are working on it for Manning. Um, and I assume we can share URLs later. Um, so it's available now in Meep, which is Manning Early Access Program which means you get a beta copy of the book, but it is pretty much done. Uh, and, and when you buy Meep, you get the real book later. So it's totally safe to buy right now. Uh, but if you want to wait, uh, it also should be out uh, in 1.0 relatively soon. Um, and I think it's a great book uh, for people who are new to Jamstack because it gives you a variety of different tools and techniques uh, and also gives you some basic examples. So building a blog, building a brochureware site, but doing e-commerce um, and then goes deep into things like adding APIs and services and doing serverless functions. Uh, so I think it's a great book uh, and every copy you buy helps me feed my children. So no <laughs> guilt at all. you know. None, none. Uh, and I could be wrong about this. You and Brian wrote something similar ages ago, right? Yeah. So this is like a big, big updated version of all of that. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Raymond. Well, I appreciate you being on the show with us today and I hope you keep doing awesome stuff. I hope the blog keeps rolling at a once-ish per week uh, rate because it's a lot of great stuff. Uh, and I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks again to our guest and thanks to everyone out there listening to each new episode. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a review, rating, star heart favorite whatever it is in your podcast app of choice until next time keep doing amazing things on the web and remember keep things jammy